Sooner fans, Longhorn Nation, welcome to episode 102 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma, and the University of Texas. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. Last week, I was on the verge of despair following a heart-wrenching loss to the aforementioned University of Texas at home. Uh, I said that to, that Saturday's game against Texas Tech was a must-win for the Sooners. It was going to fall firmly in the must-win column, and they went out and lost by one at home. The season was over. I was done. I wasn't watching any more basketball, and yet they respond with a 20-point victory on the road, which is not easy to come by in the Big 12 against K-State. Yet all of it, Kevin, pales in comparison to the weak-ass tactics and antics of the University of Texas. You can't even handle when BYU student sections put horns down. Y'all melt down completely. Your coach has to go talk to the opposing coach. It's the weakest thing in sports I've ever seen. Look, it was fine when it was UCF. I get it. We talked about it. Rodney Terry, whatever. Dude, it is becoming a problem. Y'all are starting to have a complex beyond a complex. You have complexes on your complexes. If you think you can go into the SEC and be offended by BYU fan, you are setting yourself up for a lifetime of disappointment in the SEC. And I and don't tell me that BYU's administration. No, there is video evidence of Rodney Terry going over to the six foot nine coach for BYU and asking him to go tell the support staff to have the students remove their shirts. It's unbelievable. You should be embarrassed. I can't even imagine we're still having this conversation, but it's embarrassing. The only one having this conversation, and you lost the game. The only one having the conversation is y'all, Sooner fans. That's not true. What are you talking about? You literally asked them to remove their horns down shirts. What are you talking about? No, we didn't. You're making stuff up. I don't think so. I I, I know so. I know so. I'm telling you, this is only a conversation amongst two groups of people a faction of the media and people who hate Texas. I'm telling you this. I've told you this before. I don't know how many times I can tell you this. When it comes to horns down, we don't care. We then don't why does care. It, then why does it keep happening? Then why does it keep happening? Why does it keep happening? Why does a fan base go put horns down and then they get in trouble for it? You at UCF gets in trouble for it. BYU well, has to remove it. First of all, how did, how did they get in trouble for it? How oh, they were chastised. UCF was chastised. Rodney Terry chastised, chastised. them. He chastised okay. them. So That's they, were the word they were in trouble. Well, and first of all, you know, you already know how Texas fans reacted to what Rodney Terry said after that game. We we don't care. I then don't why care did, okay? Then how do we get to a point where student fans in the student section are being asked to take a to, to take a? You would have to ask the administrators from Brigham Young University about that. We got to oh, get Joe back on. on. He, he knows some people up there. We'll call him and ask him what happened. Do we will call him and ask him? But yeah, from what I know what happened. From what, what I, I can tell you, this we don't care. 
Well, d- d- listen, it sure doesn't seem like it, dude. It literally doesn't seem like it. When you are going to student sections, and listen, dude, we look, look, dude, we both played at Texas Tech. You played at Texas Tech, right? They're the worst yeah. fans in the world. They at times have yelled the F word, spelled out and said the F word to just about every good player that Oklahoma's ever had, especially Trey Young, especially Buddy Heald. I mean, it goes on and on. Texas Tech fan is terrible. BYU fan puts horns down on T-shirts and, like, the whole world melts down and they're asked to remove them. Like, there's some sort of inflammatory language on it. You're going to have to talk to BYU about that. You think we have the power to ask a a student section to to change their shirts? You know what I tell you? You know what? Here's the difference. And I'm going to give Sarkeesian credit. And I gave gave Sarkeesian credit about this last time. Sarkeesian is at a point where he's like, tell him to leave the shirts on. I want the shirts on. I need the shirts on. It fuels me. Rodney Terry, Rodney Terry felt amazing when the shirts came down. Listen to me. If you have any proof, if you have any legitimate proof that Rodney Terry or anybody else affiliated with the University of Texas is the reason why BYU student section took off those shirts, then we can talk. For me, it is a complete non-story. We don't care. I'm telling you, we don't care about that. According oh, to my BYU. thing with horns down is we just laugh when you guys throw them down when you're playing another team that's not Texas. Other than that, couldn't care less. Okay. And I'm okay. telling you, I speak for the overwhelming majority of Texas fans when I say this. Go according, ahead. According to Google, BYU's coach asked him to take it down, not Rodney Terry. Yes. Rodney um, Terry, first of all, Rodney Terry was was obviously emotionally week after that after they blew that loss after they blew that game to UCF and said that it was classes when the UCF players were throwing him down in the handshake line. Again, I don't care about that either. Maybe that's considered taunting to some people. I don't care about any of that. But as far as what happened in BYU, I mean horns down shirt, that's the least of our concerns. Even when it comes to opposing fans. I, I just right? I I don't even understand though why BYU wants to make a big deal out of it because it just draws attention to it. You know, it just draws attention to it. Yeah, it allows people like me to go to go absolutely insane. Well, it's not just you. It's any fan who has any kind of disdain for the University of Texas, which is a lot of fan bases. That's true. This one, that's one right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and everybody. Well, most people in the state of Oklahoma, and you know the rest of the haters that we have. That's y'all thing. I'm telling you, it's not. It's a non-story. Dude, y'all better get y'all better get thick skin for the SEC, dude. It's gonna be a lot worse. Dude, you gotta go play. You gotta go play at LSU. You think you think Mississippi State? You think Mississippi State when they're done ringing the cowbell isn't gonna throw the horns down? You're crazy. We don't care. We we didn't care then. Y'all listen. No one's gonna be worse than y'all or Texas Tech fans when it comes to throwing the horns down. Uh, that's correct. Nobody cares. That's correct. I I wish. I could have thrown the horns down in victory a week ago, but that didn't happen. I had to walk with my tail between my legs, only having scored six points in the final 11 minutes of the game. That's well, what I know, remember. You all throw them down regardless, even when you aren't playing Texas. Um. Yeah, all right. Okay, I had to get I'm, it off I'm my chest. I had to get it off my chest. So back to Texas. Better? Do you feel better? No, I feel a little chastised. I feel a little I, – I feel chastised by you. 
like that as if I have reacted badly. I tried to turn that into a rant, and then it's like you've talked me down. Your rant was directed at me that I should be embarrassed. What do I have to be embarrassed about? You should be embarrassed embarrassed about the basketball team's record so far. Oh, you lost to BYU. A good team, Um, by the way. Not a lot of shame in losing to BYU, especially on the road. Followed up. I mean, the shirts got to you. Clearly, you were rattled. And then you, but the more important loss, I don't know, the more recent loss, I should say, is against a very good Houston team. That is a really good basketball team. As of right now, number two team in the country. You lose 76 72 at home. Here's the numbers. Here's overtime. Okay, not noted. Here's the numbers behind the loss. Um, You actually had a better shooting percentage than Houston. You were 43 to their 41. They beat you just a little bit in three-point percentage. Uh, They were 75% from the free throw line. You were 70%. uh, And they out-rebounded you 48 to 36. Here's the deal, right? Anytime you have a loss within five points, you can look at the free throw line. You look at the free throw line. You um, You miss six free throws. Now, I'm not saying you make all six, you win the game, but it, it, it makes – it's important to make your free throws, especially at home. Um, but then you get out-rebounded 48-36, which is crazy to me because I saw firsthand how athletic you guys were. I'm thinking of Disu, number 23. What's the kid's name? Oh, Dylan Mitchell. Yeah. I, those dudes can jump out the gym. So to know that a Houston team out-rebounded y'all by 12 on the road – Makes me think Houston is psychotically athletic. They and they are big and athletic. And you got to remember, right? I mean, they got Kelvin Sampson as their head coach, and he's been there for for years now. Guy who knows how to build a roster, and his teams are tough. You know that because he was your coach, and that was one of the best runs you guys have ever had, right? Oh, it was really. So, yeah, they're big. They're physical. They're well coached. They're composed and 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 big time moments. I mean, they're a team that I see making a big-time run in the tournament this year. Texas, I mean, their performance against Houston was good. I mean, they played about as well as you can play against a team like that. But, again, that lack of size eventually got them, and then they kind of went cold from the field once they got into overtime. I think Houston's length and size really affected them down the stretch. The loss drops you to 3-5 and five in the conference. 14 and seven overall. The bigger issue is it makes you 11th in the big 12 out of 14 teams, um, which is just crazy. I mean, you're ranked as of two weeks ago. I think you're ranked maybe three weeks yeah. ago. You're ranked. Um, does it, 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 if we're going to talk a little bit about your upcoming schedule over the next couple of weeks, but if you go 500, the rest of the, the rest of the world, way sorry i'm having a hard time saying that if you go 500 the rest of the way you'll end up with like a uh, what would that be eight and ten um eight and ten conference record yeah. does that get you into the ncaa tournament i mean i don't know man it, it's tough there's just so many good teams in this league right if you look at it and it doesn't get any easier. First of all, if you look at the teams we played, right, Baylor, top 10 team, Oklahoma just outside of the top 10, BYU in the top 20, Houston in the top five. We yeah. go to TCU, they're ranked. 
Iowa State is ranked. We still have game. We have another game against Houston on the road. We still have Kansas State, and we have to go to Lawrence to play Kansas. And then we go to we got to go to Lubbock, Oklahoma State, at Baylor, and then um, we close out against OU in Austin. So, man, they got to turn it around. They got to turn it around quickly. They've been close in most of these games, but you know, the committee. I don't. I don't know how much they're going to look at that. So if we get if we narrow it down a little closer, let's just look at the next four games, okay? Let's just look at the next four games. You have you you, you mentioned it at TCU, currently ranked number twenty five. They are fifth in the Big Twelve at five and three in the conference, sixteen and five overall. Then on uh, the following Tuesday, it's Iowa State hosting Iowa State, who's currently ranked twelfth, who's five and two in the Big Twelve. You're hosting a West Virginia team who should be a win. And then February 17th at Houston, number That's 14, rough, number two, four team in the country, whatever they are. I mean, you're hoping to split the games. You, you think you're going to win the West Virginia game. What do you, I mean, you're just hoping to get that Iowa State game at home. Is that, is that correct? The- yeah, they play well at home against good teams, right? Since they've been in this new building. I think Houston's the only top 10 team that's that's beat them in that arena since it opened. So they play well at home. They need to get the TCU win on the road. They need to beat Iowa State and West Virginia. Getting those three will definitely I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough, it's a tough ask, right? Yeah. So I think you're man, I, think, I don't know. I think you're hoping to split it. Right? I think you're hoping yeah. to split and then um I'm trying to pull your schedule up a little more in front of me here. I, I think you're hoping to split it the rest of the way and hope that Cincinnati or BYU or K-State or even Oklahoma or Baylor slip below you. Does that make sense? Like It makes perfect sense, yeah. I, I think you I, whether you pass them because you go on a run or you pass them because you maintain a, a status quo, right, and let them fall behind you, I think we've – whether you're Oklahoma or Texas, I mean, the conversation is not much different than it is uh, for, for Oklahoma. But I think you've got to be inside 10 teams in this conference. I don't think they're going to go 11 deep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, how many they've had in before. And I know obviously the, the league is bigger this year. With the uh, extra teams, right? But I know, I know we've had I don't know, seven. Man. I just got a bad I, feeling about it. I don't like it. I know we've had seven in the past. I don't know if we've and ever gone seven out of ten, right? Seven out of ten. I think we've had seven out of ten. I don't think we've ever gone eight out of ten. I don't. That doesn't sound familiar to me. But if I'm wrong, somebody out there can you know tweet us or or text me or whatever. But I, yeah, I think I, mean, I think you want to be inside the ten. I mean, I know this is a great conference. Everybody's. Everybody agrees this isn't just homerism. It's a great, great conference. But there's something about a losing record in conference and being outside the top 10 of your own conference that I do not think is going to sit well with the committee. You know, it's an interesting team, right? Because when you watch them, they pass the eye test, right? You see the athleticism. You see the ability of guys like Ace Smith and DeSue to score. But, man, just some of these close losses – and then losing the teams that you shouldn't be losing to, right? That uh, West Virginia loss was bad. Um, and again, um, 
the UCF loss was bad too. You can't lose those two games. Yeah. Right. I think the, the committee can forgive you for losing to BYU and Houston. Right. Right. But yeah, you lose to West Virginia, who's having their worst season in who you know how long. And then UCF, new team to the conference, who's not very good, especially when you're up by 18 in the game, right? That's what's going to lead them out of the tournament, not what happens from this point forward if they're competitive in the rest of their game. So kind of feels like a wasted season. We'll see how it turns out, though. A lot of basketball left to be played. Oklahoma, uh, again, coming off of that aforementioned loss to Texas Tech. It was a heartbreaker, 85-84 loss. The bigger issue was you had a nine-point lead with about five and a half minutes to go in the game. You, you, I, They're tough, man. Dude, you can't lose that game at home, though. I mean, I know no, Texas no, Tech is Tech's second in the Big 12. They're 16 and four. They're they're obviously a good team. But I, you got to set that aside for a minute. Oklahoma, you're, you got a nine-point lead at home with five and a half minutes to go. You cannot collapse. You can't just go dead. You, you've got to be smart about how you play. Smart about how you finish. Um, it was it was a bad loss. Now things could have gone really sideways, but they rebounded against K State with a twenty point win on the road, which K State has been a bugaboo for Oklahoma for seasons now. Right? It has been like a school that we've had a really really hard time beating, especially in Manhattan. Lon Kruger, he might have he might have gone like O for his last five in Manhattan. He was terrible there um but they did all this can listen to this stat line for oklahoma 42 percent field goal percentage 21 percent three-point field goal percentage three of 14 61 percent from the free throw line and they still won by 20 yeah yeah it's, it's interesting man what do you make of this team well i think jalen moore is getting better and better every game he plays he is realizing, you know, sometimes it's like when you watch little kids sports. I watch, I always talk about watching a lot of little kids sports and soccer and stuff. Sometimes the biggest, strongest, fastest kid doesn't know they are the biggest, strongest, fastest kid, right? Sometimes, sometimes they think they're like all the other kids and they're just running around acting ignorant. But it's when that light, it's like when that light flips on and says, oh, wait a minute, I'm bigger, stronger, faster, and nobody out here can stop me. I feel like Jalen Moore is starting to realize that even in the big 12, that, you know what? I am a physically dominant player, and if I play within myself and I play controlled, I'm a really, really good basketball player. And I think we're starting to see that. However, the rest of it, as encouraged as I am by the 20-point win, and I think it's you have to be encouraged. A win on the road in the Big 12 is ginormous. And maybe Oklahoma's defense contributed to this, but Kansas shot 30% from the field, 14% from three, and 68% from free throw line. Free throw percentage. So my point being, even though we played good and won, Kansas played bad, like really bad. Did we contribute to it? Uh, I don't know. Um, They only had five turnovers. So it's not like we were turning the ball over, you know, turning the ball over on Kansas, um, meaning that we were creating turnovers. We only had five. We out-rebounded them by 11. We had eight turnovers of our own. So did K-State just play really bad and we took advantage of it? That's kind of what I think happened, which is fine. Like, I'll take it. I hope the rest of the teams on our schedule play really bad and we take advantage of it. But 
it's still a little bit of both, right? I mean, it's rare to see a team shoot 30% from the field, man. And 14%, I mean, 4 of 28. Yeah, it's terrible. That's one of the worst shooting performances you'll ever see. And usually you don't see it from the field and from three, right? And and at home. And you you typically don't see it at home. And, I mean, I watched the game. I don't think Oklahoma was doing anything, you know, just completely different that was causing their offense to sputter so badly. I just don't think K-State hit very many shots, clearly. So um, it's it's a it, it's gonna be. I mean, here's the deal, right? We've got it. We you, you talk about Texas. You have Texas has three ranked teams out of the next four. Well, Oklahoma only has two, and one of those is at home. So we have an opportunity. This is an opportunity in the middle of the season as we're kind of peaking right here. These next four games define Oklahoma's season. In the sense of, do we do we just go ahead and take a stranglehold at least on a tournament bid, right? Yeah, we got UCF uh, at UCF. You've talked about them already. They're not a great team. Um, they're twelfth right now in the uh, in the uh, Big Twelve standings. We need to go beat a UCF team on the road. We then Absolutely. host. We host BYU. Yes, they're ranked but they're not unbeatable and it's at home. We've had good home crowds. We've been supporting the team. Uh, We need to go ahead and go beat BYU. We then host Oklahoma state who is just God awful, terrible. Um, Dude, do you remember when Oklahoma state used to be good? Yeah, they were good all the time. Dude, they were good all the time. They were good all the way up and through the late 2000, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, single, single digits or whatever. It's, not that I ever feel bad, but I kind of feel bad for them. Like, they're terrible right now. Yeah, I mean, you, there would be some fun games up there at their place. Oh, there would be classic games. have some great games. Yeah, yeah, now it's just like nobody even cares. You got to beat them, though, man. What does it matter, you, right? Right, yeah. your coach has struggled against them so far. One and right? six. One and, si- one oh, and six man. against Oklahoma State. So, here I am feeling sorry for Oklahoma State, and we have, we won one out of the last seven. So, we got to beat Oklahoma State, and then and then the the test, right? The 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 real the hardest game in that stretch comes in a couple of weeks against Baylor, right? At Baylor. My point being is, if we go th- if we go three and one in our next four games, well, that that takes us up to seven and five, two games over five hundred, solidly in the um, tournament. Yeah, yeah. Conference, the tournament. You know, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. So I think this is the stretch, right? This is where we know if if Oklahoma is I, I the K State game, it's I'll take the win every day. I don't even want to take anything away from the win. Like a win is a win in this no, conference. That's just a win. Twenty point win on the road. I mean But yeah, you'll agree you just, in the conference you take any win you get. But you'll agree that this isn't like a stellar performance. That's fair to say though, right? Um yeah, I think that's fair to say. But again, man, anytime you get a win in this conference on the road, you take it. You take it, right? And handle business against UCF. That leads you to that BYU game on Tuesday. Like you said, they're beatable. They, they're really good offensively. They move the ball well. They can shoot and get to the rack. 
that's the issue. They kind of kept Texas off balance defensively on Saturday. They are so they uh, are beatable. They are ninth in the Big Twelve right now, and I don't know if they've lost a game since. Did they lose a game since the Texas game? Did they lose last night? And I don't know. About I'm not it. sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Jeez, I don't know either. Let me see if I can just look it up real quick. No, they haven't played anybody since Texas. Okay, so okay. they're they are. But let this sink in. They're ninth in the Big Twelve, and they're ranked twenty second in the country. There you go. That, that shows you how deep the conference is. That's right? nuts, man. That's and crazy, you right? Get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I just don't know if it's going to be Texas with those two losses to West Virginia and Central Florida. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Um, Kevin, want to take a minute here to recognize our sponsor, Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver works for the insured, not the insurance company. If you've had a loss to your home or business from a fire, tornado, wind, flood, had some pipes burst and caused some major damage from the recent cold weather, you want to give Brown O'Haver a call. 405-735-5510. They get you more money more quickly for your claim. You might be saying, why do I even need to hire you? Won't the insurance company pay what they're supposed to? I, They should, but they don't. And that's why we've had a job here in Oklahoma since 2006. Parent company since 1988. They need to, uh, you need to call them. If, even if you call them and they say, hey, there's nothing, there's, you're doing everything you can do. Then at least you have the peace of mind knowing that you've got everything under control. But if there's a little piece out there that says, hey, maybe I don't have everything under control, give us a call, 405-735-5510. Kevin. Um, conference championship games were this past weekend. Oklahoma is going to be well represented in the uh, Super Bowl with the likes of Trent Williams, Creed Humphreys, Blake Bell. Um, I think there's a couple other guys out there that I'm, I might be forgetting. Who does Texas have in the Super Bowl this week or in uh, a couple weeks? Texas has Charles Aminihu, defensive lineman for the Chiefs. He was the one who um, caused the strip sack on um, Lamar Jackson. A really big turnover that they had. Um, we've got him, and uh, I think he's the only star. they got a couple guys who are on the roster, yeah. but that's the one who's uh, – Who's a star? You guys also have, um, like you said, uh, Blake Bell, Creed Humphrey, and Wangi Morris is also on the roster for. Um, That's correct. Yep, for Kansas City, and um, I think the the long snapper James Winchester, who's been there forever. James yeah. Winchester's been there forever. You remember the weird story about him? Were you around here in that time? Um, I probably wasn't here. I don't know if he's been there for that long, but no, what's the story? Well, it, it's just, it's an odd story. Um, it was sad, sad, odd story. So don't mean to be a buzzkill, but it's just interesting. And it, especially if you've never heard it, his dad was a Southwest employee at the Oklahoma city airport and got involved in a weird shooting and, and died there at the airport. It was very odd. It's a very odd situation, but he was able the James himself was able to bounce back from that obviously and be with Kansas City for as long as he's had 
but uh, yeah, just a really, it was a really weird story. You need to check it out. Wow. It was, yeah, it was odd. But uh, yeah, wow. man, he's been in a, him, a Winchester. Didn't he make like a really big play against Texas one year on one of your pump returns and cause him up? Was he the one? Um, yes. Okay. The mm-hmm. only it, punt return deal I can remember was in, I think, the 2010 game. I think that was and him, man. When um, we had a chance to go down and tie the game or maybe even win it. And Yes, uh, this was him. I, yep. I don't think he forced it, but I think he recovered it. I think Aaron yeah, Williams but, muffed it and he recovered it. But think about that, dude. The long snapper is getting the down there. The long snapper getting down there, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of player is. But, um, okay, let me ask you. I got to ask you about Trent Williams just for a second. Uh where is Trent Williams going to rank in terms of all-time offensive linemen in the NFL? Because I, I don't know. Like- it's hard to say because there's some. They've been some really good ones, but I mean, so I don't know where to rank him. But you know, we can all confidently say he's going straight to the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, he's going to retire, and five years later, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So he, I mean, that's he, all you can really say. He came in um, in the 2009 draft. Right. So it was, was it Bradford, Williams, Sue, and Gerald McCoy? Is that right? No, I believe it was, I want to say it was, um, well, we had three out of the four. You did have three. I think it was, it was Bradford, Sue, McCoy, and Williams. Was Williams fourth? Wow. Okay. Yes, I believe he was. Now that might be, yeah. So, but anyway, so, but we're talking 09, right? So 2009 to 2020. Um, three yeah, is what, 14, 14 years. Yeah, I, I mean, the, and, and still, man, I don't know. Is there anybody else in the uh, in the NFL you wouldn't want to mess with? Oh no way, man! I mean, like he uh, he's tough as nails. He's a dog. Yeah, he, he's had an incredible career, man, and he, he just doesn't seem to be slowing down either. Um, so staying in the NFC, uh, just a real quick recap of that game. Is there anybody else to blame but Dan Campbell for that loss? Well, yes. My, I mean, most of it goes with him for some of that clock management. Um, also, my guy, Josh Reynolds, you know, um, San Antonio's own. He had two massive drops, the one on fourth down and then third long. I mean, crossing route, break throw, and it just goes right through his hands. I mean, it was just a calamity. Where, what, of high school, what high school did he go to? He, he actually I mean. went to Jay. John, John Jay. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Before he went to uh, to AM. So he had a rough go of it in the second half. I mean, obviously that pass that goes off the should have been intercepted by the safety, goes off his helmet, and IU dives and catches it. They score. Then they go three and out. San Francisco goes right down and scores again. Then after the kickoff, Jameer gives fumbles on first down, gives it right back to him. It was just an absolute it nightmare. It was, it was a calamity. Yeah, it was a calamity. Correct. It was it was terrible. And how, then you how, lead to the clock management stuff. And okay, here, yeah, here's man. what here's what I'm gonna say though. It, I, I agree with you. I agree. I agree that other things occurred. Okay. That's like that, the, the the one near interception bounce off back to the guy who catches it, whatever, you know, and the fumble. Those things happen in games, okay? And those can be and are reasons why games are lost. 
but they're not so they're not necessarily controllables right they're not yeah. decisions that you have a little bit of you have a little bit of time to make and wonder you know a little bit of time to make and and impact the game and when you're up 17 on the road you kick the field goal when you're down 3 on the road you kick the field goal like this isn't about going for it or aggressiveness or anything like that you you've got to put your team in the best position to win and listen it's just like what happened against the cowboys like the minute he couldn't go for it on um uh, from the 2 yard line or whatever the minute they put a five-yard penalty, like he had no business going for two there. Like you kick the field goal, you kick the point after. Exactly. He, I mean, those th- those are decisions that you that you're able to control. Then now, now he misses the field goal. Well, then that's on the kicker, right? Just like Jameer right. Gibbs's fumble is on Jameer Gibbs. Like he, but man, your coach can't put you in positions that are just destined to to not work out. Now, you know, did the guy drop it? Yes. But still, man, it's just a low percentage play. And I don't care what the analytics say. I think when you're on the road, you're trying to make yeah, every go, point man. count. Every point yes. count. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what really drove me crazy in that one was when they were down 10 and they're driving and they're in the red zone. And when they ran the ball, remember the strategy? They were trying to score and conserve all three oh, at the very end. At the very end yeah. of the game. Remember, they were still – because, like, they still had all three of their timeouts. They're down 10, so there was a chance that they could have scored and then kicked off normally, you know. Yeah. Played defense, got the ball back. Well, you get to third and goal, and they run the football, John. They get stuffed, and then they have to use a timeout. At that moment right there, the game was over because, as we know, onside kicks don't work in the NFL anymore. They used to when you used to be able to overload one side and and now get a running start and get a running start. Correct. Yeah. Now you can't. So the play is just worthless. The onside kick is just worth what four percent during the yeah. season in the NFL. Yep. It's a worthless play. That is what ended the game, the decision to run the ball. I mean, um, it, I was just you, like this. What is, do you think that you think the thought process there was they're not expecting it? So yeah, let's just maybe, I, I guess so. Let's just but try to you sli- have to let's get try the ball to, to the end zone. Yeah. yeah, it's too big of a risk. You can't make that risk there in that moment because what you had going for you with that little time left was a three timeouts. Uh, Once you dismiss that, it was over. I want to come back to the to the uh, onside kick in a second, but let me ask this first. But don't let me forget because I want to ask you about that. Um, we can agree though that Dan Campbell has done a, a freaking miracle. At, Detroit, though, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Does he learn from this and does Detroit get better? Or is this as close as Detroit's ever getting because they're Detroit? You know, no, I actually like their upside. I, I like the roster. If they can bring most of those guys back, if they can continue to bring in good players, they've drafted well, too, right? I mean, Jameer Gibbs was a huge hit, hit for them. So I think if they can continue to. Aiden, improve, Hutch- Aiden Hutchinson was a home run. Home run hit. Absolute grand slam, right? He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL already after two seasons. So they've hit on their pick, especially their first round guy. Jamison Williams is a playmaker for them. Amon Ross St. Brown Stud. is incredible, right? We love that guy. 
I like their defense too. I think they need to improve. I think they need to get a little bit better in the secondary, especially at corner. I think they're a little weak there. But um, also the defensive tackle position could be a little bit better for them. But overall, no, I like their future. I like their upside with with Campbell. Um, okay, what I wanted to ask you. So I agree. The onside kick, is a, it's a joke. And there needs to be some mechanism to at least create a little bit of suspense and excitement, I think, in the game. Um, yes. I don't know if the XF the XFL did this last year. I don't know if they're going to do this this year now that they're part of the UFL or whatever it is. Yeah, the, the merger with the um, with the other spring but league. Remember what they did was um, you got to take the ball at the twenty or twenty five, and it be essentially fourth and fifteen. Do you remember yeah. this? And you saw I this. I do remember. It. I so instead it. instead of onside kick. You had the chance to then run an offensive play. You had to pick up 15 yards. And if you did, then you maintained possession of the ball and continued with the drive. Would you be in favor of that? Or would you be in favor of uh, returning the overload rules and returning the, um, you know, the the uh, full run, you know, starting run rules in terms of, you know, even if it was just isolated to onside kicks. Sure. Okay. I will, first of all, I would love the fourth and 15. I think it's great. Okay. I don't think they'll ever bring back the running starts because that just gets too much of an injury risk on that kind of play, I think. But the overloading, I think that would work. I think the overload is fine. You think okay, so you think that the you think that the running start is not impacting the onside kick percentages nearly as much as just not being able to overload and get enough. No, I over think there. it's I think it's a little bit of both, but I think with the overload, I think it's just more chaos on on one side. It's more compact. Yeah. Now it's just so spread out; they just never get there in time. I like the fourth and fifteen rule. I, I just think, Me too. I, love you, it. I think it's great. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jared Goff, who by the way had a really good year, and the, if what I don't know if you're a fan of his or not, but man, he can sling the ball like he really can. He can. It, no, I especially think, I think with he's a, done a really good job of redeeming himself, right? Like the way it yeah. didn't end great, and he was never bad for the Rams, right? I mean, he took him to a Super Bowl that year, but you know, it was clear that they wanted to go in a different direction. So for him to get the opportunity with Detroit and take advantage of it and lead them. Within you know a couple points, I mean, they were winning that game. They were dominating that game. Twenty four seven. How they should have won the game. It should never even come down game. to it. You um, know, so no, I, my, I like them. But my point is, can you imagine him back there on fourth and fifteen, and Amron St. Brown and Reynolds and all these guys with the chance to Laporta with the chance to pick up a first down and keep going? Yeah, I love I mean, Laporta too. That's another guy they hit on with their. Well, we just uh, we spent a lot of we just spent a lot of time talking about the losers on the winners' side. Um, McCaffrey didn't have a statistically good game, but man, he, I see he's still a home run threat waiting to happen. Kittle, Every time he touches it. Kittle's a beast. Debo Samuel, even if he's a half step slow right now, he's still so good. The question is, can Brock Purdy uh, beat Patrick Mahomes? And we'll talk more about this Super Bowl a little bit, but just in terms of this game that he played against Detroit, you know, walk me through what you think about San Francisco's roster and, you know, what, what they're going to do. Well, first of all, shout out to Texas Longhorn, Kyle Shanahan, head coach. Oh. First and foremost, right? Hey, man. When did, what was, which Mac Brown team was he on? He was on the early 2000 ones, the ones that never beat OU. 
Oh, okay, good. Well, let's go, yeah. Shanahan. Get after it. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, man. Pick look, Brock Purdy. You know, I'm not a huge fan of him, right? But he gets he gets the job done, right? He got the job done. He made a couple throw that throw that you know ended up bouncing off the safety. I that was a horrible throw, but overall he made throws. I thought it was really big for him to use his legs on some of those key third yes. downs down yes. the stretch after they had the lead, right? To keep yep. those yep. drives going and just kind of you know make it to where Detroit had the ball back with very little time and it created a, a huge sense of urgency for them, more of a hurry up mode. So he made some big plays. You know, it's hard to pick anybody against Mahomes, but you know, he just has to be efficient. He doesn't have to go out and win the game. He he never will with this, with the way they like to play. He just can't screw it up. He just has to make the throws and let those guys make plays. Shanahan, he's always scheming up something. So if he can just get the ball to his guys, they'll be okay. It, it'll give him a big chance. I um I mean look, dude, I he was good at Iowa State. He wasn't great. He was good. The one year they had expectations, he was flat out not good. Yeah, it, was, was, bad. it was bad. It was bad. Um, he, I, I think he has landed in a in a dream position for a for a young quarterback. Like he yeah. can't with the weapons and the coach and the scheme. There's just, I mean, you couldn't ask for better. Like you think about, you look at like. Um, Jimmy G, what he's done there, um, what even Trey Lance was kind of doing there when he got the. I mean, it was it's made for anybody. Anybody with 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 talent is going to be yeah. good in that system. Yeah, and um, so I think he's making the most of his opportunity. And as long as they, uh, as long as he, to your point, doesn't do anything stupid and gets the ball in the playmakers' hands. They've got, they got a chance. A chance. To be, they got a chance to be Kansas City. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Kansas City, um, surprised that the Ravens were so bad offensively, or I mean, I just no, I think I, we I all was, thought I, surprised. I think we I all thought Baltimore surprised. was just going to roll with it, didn't we? Well, I don't know if they were going to roll with it, but I did expect them to win the football game. Right? I thought they had a better team, top to bottom, and I don't know what that was offensively from them. Man, I mean, the play calling was weird. They never looked comfortable. Lamar never looked comfortable. He had to, I mean, on that second drive, he let him down the field, right? Hit the big play to Zay Flowers. But besides that, he, they, I mean, five carries for their running backs in a game that you're down as one score for the majority of it? Well, five carries? This is a team that their whole identity is running the football. Look, we've talked about it with um, – we've talked about it on this podcast, at least I have, with Lamar Jackson and my thoughts on Lamar Jackson. And it's I, – I, I've always talked about how there's a good Lamar and a bad Lamar. And the good Lamar is the MVP of the league and the best player out there. Potentially. Potentially the best player in the NFL. But the bad Lamar does, like, dumb stuff. And you're like, why did you do that? Like, it wasn't weird, you know? Now, for the majority of this year, it's been good Lamar. Correct. And to the point where you even kind of forgot about bad Lamar, like a oh, bad Lamar must not exist anymore or he's put him to, but this game, whether it was the play calls or his decision-making, you just were left with like, what are you, with all the skill and talent you have, what are you doing? It, it just, 
it felt odd and off-putting. And it just it was not pleasant to watch when they had the ball on offense ball. No, it was it was rough. I mean, first of all, like I said, I was going to say they couldn't run the ball, but it's, I, we don't know if they could run the ball because they didn't do it. Yeah. Five carries for their running backs. You know, how's that possible in the NFL? How's that possible in the NFL? The only way that that's ever possible is if you're down by 30, right? If you get down by, or, you know, in a game, you're down 28 to seven. And it's like, okay, we got to sling it around to get back in. No, they're down by a score. It's like as soon as they got down, they just panicked. They was like, all right, scrap whatever our game plan is. We're just going to throw, 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 throw. How many rushes did Lamar have? Does it show it there? Let me pull up. Yeah, I'm going to pull up the box score real quick. But, man, it just, I mean, the eye test for this game with them offensively was just, it was just horrible, man. I know, and, I know, two, I know two things can be true, but it was it's Baltimore's offensive plan or is Kansas City that good at defense? Well, they're really good defensively, right? They've been good all year. And it's so interesting when we talk about a Kansas City Chiefs team being carried by defense, a team with Patrick Mahomes on it being carried by the defense. But that's how it's been this year. But still, man, I mean, when you've got the MVP and the Ravens have been such a good team, they're 13-3, and three, I thought they were the best team in the NFL all season. Yep. And for them to show well, up at this were. moment. They were, Kevin, they were the best team in the league all season. Yeah. Kansas so to come City, out in this moment and then just kind of get overwhelmed by it. They were undisciplined, too. I, I mean, Kansas City just outside of whatever makes a team great, and I think getting to four out of the last five Super Bowls is great. Two of those as wins is great. So what outside of just the intangibles that make a team great, they have no business being in this Super Bowl this year. They were not no. they weren't even a top four or five team in the league for the majority of the league. I mean you know, the majority of the of the season. Um right. so okay, it, I've got the stats here, by the way. Does it show more rushes? Yeah, it's eight carries for 54 yards. So he was eight plus five is 13. They had 13, 13 rushing plays. Correct. You had actually, okay, no, they had Gus Edwards had three carries for 20 yards. And then Justice Hill had three carries, it says, for three yards. So six carries between the two running backs. Yeah. But three for three yards. I mean, that's cheese. For Justice Hill, yeah. And then Gus Everett was, was three for 20. They just didn't do it. You know, that's six. That's like 6.8 yards of carry. Why aren't you running the ball more? It, it doesn't make sense. And you would have thought they carried themselves like a team that was down and down back. It, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I still can't make sense of it at all. And for this team, man, I don't know. We, you know, you asked about the future of the team, if you were asking me, I, I would believe in the future of the Lions more than the future of the Ravens. Because it seems like this year, it was all set up for Baltimore. Just think about it in their division, right? Cleveland had the quarterback issue with uh, Deshaun Watson. Then they had to go to Joe Flacco, who was okay within – still an old quarterback, right? Yeah, yep. Joe Burrow was hurt all year. Yep. Right? So that's just in your division. And, you Pittsburgh, had, and, and Pittsburgh was as bad offensively as they've been in 15 years. And that's saying a lot because they've had some rough years. Yeah, They've had some rough years and they were horrible. So it was all set up for you. 
this year. And, and you, you get, get the buy. You get the buy. Uh-huh. And you're, ho- you and you're hosting game. the two games. So it, what's crazy about it is you look at a Baltimore team and they really only had one playoff win. And it just doesn't sit well. It just it seems weird. Right. It seems like a waste of a season, right? Yeah. And then, you know, the three turnovers, right? I mean, the the strip sack was bad. Um, and then the interception he had, he threw it up in a triple coverage. I'm not sure what he was seeing there. It was just it was just it was rough to watch. But again, the biggest thing for me, even worse than the turnovers, was their lack of composure. What was up with all those penalties? I don't got, know, and you don't you don't expect that from a John Harbaugh coach team. No, eight because, for ninety five, because they're typically um, they're typically not the most talented team, but they're usually a well disciplined, well coached, play within themselves, play within their system, don't make mistakes, let the other team beat themselves type teams. They've been that way for years under him, and that's not what happened on Sunday. It's just not. They no. just they in a lot of ways they beat themselves. And Kansas City did enough to go ahead and and win the game. Yes, I mean th- think about this. They scored. They didn't score in the second half. The Chiefs, the Chiefs didn't score in the second half, and it was still enough to beat the Ravens. Um. All right. Uh, speaking of, what do you think about uh, early thought? I'm not asking you to pick early thoughts on the Super Bowl. Well, I think it'll be a fun game, right? I like the star power. You know. Mahomes, the guy for San Francisco, McCaffrey. You know, I, I think it's a really fun matchup. It's really hard, man. You know, I, I feel like I've learned a lesson from for picking against Mahomes, right? And so I'm not going to make an official pick yet, but I'm just going to say it right now. It'll be really difficult for me to pick against Patrick Mahomes again, right? Because I think he's shown that as long as he's on the field, they've got a really good chance to win the game. No matter what. I mean, going back to this game, Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries for 68 yards. Right? Baltimore shut that down. They couldn't even run the ball super effectively. And they still were able to get the job done. Right? I can't stand this receiving core for Kansas City, but Marquez Valdez Cantley making that huge terrible. play on third down. <laughs> Horrible, right? All year. Rasheed Rice There's has become still- a pretty good player for them. He's a rookie, though. Did Ladarius Tony was he even active? Was he? No, was Tony even active for the game? I mean, that's crazy. He was not. Yeah. I mean, Travis. And you know what? But but listen, though. But you talk about Pacheco, right? And I hate to harp on this all the time. People that listen to us all the time are like, "Okay, John, you said this." They still ran him though. Twenty-four. Even though he was shut down, they still stayed committed and ran him and. Just took little chunks of Baltimore's heart every time they ran him, and forced him to play up, and forced him to have to defend that run. And for whereas Baltimore said, "Oh no, don't worry about the run. Like uh, we're never going to run the ball. You don't have to worry about it." It, it, it. I don't understand coaches that don't do that. That don't. They've seen how football works. Good teams run the ball. It's right. just, whether it's successful or not. Good. Look at McCaffrey and the 49ers. Dude, he got plenty of – he did not have a great game, but he had opportunities. He kept running the ball. Yes. Yeah, I don't know why Baltimore was playing like this. And also, they just got destroyed in the time of possession. 37 minutes for the Chiefs compared to 22 minutes for the Ravens. 
aforementioned running the ball affects time of possession yeah. as much as anything. Um, yeah. Okay. It's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. We're not making our picks. 49ers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which I I guess that's probably about right. I think the 49ers were probably a better team throughout the year, so um, that's pretty good. Okay, I got a little trivia real quick before we we, we close with transfer portal news. Um, what is the only – you ready for this? This little trivia. Yeah. We haven't done this in a while. What is the only Super Bowl career passing record that Tom Brady – does not hold. What is the only Super Bowl career passing record that Tom Brady does not hold? An extra credit if you name who does. Oh man, the only passing record in the Super Bowl that Tom Brady does career, not hold. Career passing career. record. Career. He hold he holds some game records, but Montana holds a lot of game records too. Because he had like that game against the the Broncos, his last Super Bowl against the Broncos, where he was so good. Um, so there's some single game records that uh, Montana holds, and maybe some other guys. This is a career, a career passing record. Tom Brady is the only one he doesn't hold. Brady holds touchdowns, and I'm just I'll give the easy ones: touchdowns, passes thrown, you know that sort of thing. What's the only career passing record that Tom Brady does not hold? Is it a negative, like a, like interceptions? I, I would say that interceptions. Interceptions. It is interceptions. Do you know who holds the most interceptions? Most interceptions in a Super Bowl. No, no. Is it John Elway? Career. Yep. John yeah, in a career. John Elway. Yeah. He had some rough ones, man. Oh, in the 1980s. Oh, he had some rough, rough Super Bowls, man. As good as he was. Oh, um, he's one of the most talented players who ever played the quarterback position. Right. He had it all. I grew, up, I grew up with a kid in San Antonio. Uh, we both went to Timberwild uh, Elementary and then uh, Zachary HB uh, Zachary Middle School up to Taft High School. And um, his name was Kyle Stuttered. And he had a cousin on the Bronco teams in the 80s. So therefore, we just our little group there of like little second grade, fourth grade kids rooted for the Broncos. And I had a Broncos football and the whole thing. And I got to tell you, there were years there. I mean, what Washington did to the Broncos was just, it was filthy. What Doug Williams did to the Broncos in the second quarter of that Super Bowl was absolutely one of the filthiest things that's ever happened to me as a sport fan, a sports fan. He just destroyed them. Well, and the crazy thing is, um, that second quarter, I'm pretty sure they scored 35 points. 35 points in the second quarter. Yeah. Now, um, real quick, going back to your story. Yeah. Um, the guy who played for the Broncos, was this Dave Stutter? I don't know. Was that is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, because it his son, been. his son Casey Stutter was a starter on Texas's uh, national championship team at guard. That, that's probably, yeah. yeah uh, he played, um, he played in the so NFL too. I think if, if I'm correct, I think Kyle's older brother was a quarterback at Taft. Like okay. maybe, maybe when we were freshmen, he might've been a senior or maybe eighth grade. And he was like something right around that. That was, okay. like, 
Kyle played basketball. Kyle was a basketball player. I don't think he – he might have played football like in junior high, but he didn't play football in high school. He was a basketball player. He was a little skinnier. Great one there. But a pretty good basketball player. There you pretty go. He saw a basketball player. Too. But anyway, yes, he had a cousin. And yes, whoever it was. It might have been Dave. I don't know. I just remember being a – his name was Stuttered, and he was at – he was with the Broncos. And so we – it made sense to cheer for him. And I then somehow became a Bronco fan, at least during the eighties and nineties. I was pretty happy when I was pretty happy when they won. I was yeah, really it was nice when they like won, when they beat Green Bay, and you know, for him to go out with the back-to-back Super Bowl wins. The this crazy, one's, I'll say this, this though: one's for John. This one's for John. That. Yes, absolutely. I will say this though: if you think about who was on those Broncos teams, and then you're like, oh, you know, John Elway's is pretty much a god out there. If he took that team. Multiple the, Super Bowls in the eighties. They had the three amigos. I can't remember any of their names, but the, his receivers were the three amigos. Remember that? Because, yeah, yeah. There's a reason why you don't remember them. Yeah, no, I can't remember their names at all. But I just remember the nickname. It kind of coincided with the movie coming out, so they called. Yeah, uh-huh. they, yeah they called. Uh, yeah. They called them the three amigos. Uh, yeah, no, they were. He didn't have a running back. They didn't have a defense. Um, he ran all over. He, I mean, he's kind of. I mean. Very similar to like a Josh Allen, except although I think Josh Allen has a little bit better defense and yeah, um, he's got better he has, receivers and he has Stephon Diggs too. Yeah. yeah, and once you know, once they got into the late nineties when Mike Shanahan was there, and they're like, you know, we're gonna run the football. We got this Terrell Davis guy, one that'll be an incredible for him. And about, in that Super Bowl, he had one hundred and sixty-three yards and three touchdowns. The one against Green Bay was that this that, but that wasn't the Super Bowl where he got the migraine, is it? Yes, it is. He, that is a Super Bowl. He got the mic. That is. Uh-huh. I mean, that was he. He was like, I can't even see. He he was talking about how he couldn't see, and they like. I've seen it's him. mic'd up. It's mic'd up. Oh. If you, uh, yeah, I've seen the clip. He's like, yeah. He's like, I can't see. He's like, well, oh, we just need you out there. Just stand there, because if you're not out there, they won't believe that we're gonna hand it I off. Believe, I, can you imagine? I can't even imagine. So. There, uh, migraine stories are it, it, those are unique, right? Because it, I think they affect people in different ways. Um, this is not a football story, but just uh, the the inaugural. Um, so Augusta National, right, is where the uh, Masters is held. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is for non golfers, but Augusta National is where the Masters is held. The weekend before, they started with the drive, chip, and putt. So that's where all the little kids go out. But then about five years ago, they added a women's amateur event that is played on Augusta National. And it's called the uh, it's called the Augusta, uh, whatever it is, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. So if you can imagine women getting to play on Augusta National for a for a title such as that is prestigious. It's it's a really, really, really big deal. So that's on this. That's on the Saturday. Then the chip and putts on the Sunday, whatever. Anyway, the very first inaugural year, oh, what was the girl's name? Jennifer Cupcho got a a migraine, like on the tenth, on the eleventh tee box. Oh, my she was God. like, she said she couldn't see. She was telling her caddy how to line her up and aim it for her because she could not see for like three holes. And somehow she shoots an amazing round of golf on that golf course. To win the inaugural match, and I, I don't know, I just find that stuff fascinating. When people can rise above that, because I've had some migraines before, dude, I'm knocked out. I don't even want to watch TV, yeah, let you alone playing yeah. in an NFL game or around the golf in front of you know on Augusta National. I can't even imagine. I love it. 
Yeah. Great stories. Um, 30 carries, 157 yards, and three touchdowns. And a migraine. In the Super Bowl. With a and migraine. a migraine. Jeez. Legendary uh, stuff right there. Right in the Hall of Fame. This is a podcast about OU Texas football. And if you've made it 50, oh, nope. If you've made it 60 minutes through, we will talk some football now, real quick, for OU Texas. Uh, Oklahoma lands uh, six foot four, 303 inside offensive lineman from Washington, Gearian Hatchet. Um, I haven't seen how to pronounce that yet, so I'm going with Gearian Hatchet. His brother is Landon Hatchet. He opted to stay with Washington. I don't know if OU was in on him or not, or if that was ever anything they were considering. But that puts Oklahoma's offensive line total up to four in the portal this year. Um, I think that what that tells me is we're going to be okay on the offensive line. Beaton Bowes able to coach. If he's able to coach him up, um, we'll have the bodies there for him to at least cobble something together. I think we're going to be okay on the offensive line. Uh, any updates from Texas on the portal? I know we talked a lot of Texas portal last week. Yeah, Has nothing, anything changed nothing since then, since the last guys that we talked about. So, like I said, they've been pretty selective on who they brought in. They brought in some guys that fill some key positions. I think they are going to try to continue to address the defensive line um, when the spring portal opens up after spring ball. Um, Oklahoma, I guess – what, what do you can you have a max of 85 scholarships? I think this Correct. puts them at 91. Okay, so it's going to yeah. be interesting to see how they roster manage that. Um, you and I, I think you and I talked about this. Like, I'm wondering, I, I, I wonder if maybe preferred walk ons are an option where you can downgrade somebody to a to a preferred. Walk-on. I don't think you can do that. Yeah, you don't think, think that can happen. Allows that. Yeah, I think that um, some guys are just going to have to leave. After yeah. spring ball, I think some players will be encouraged to uh, to seek other opportunities. Yeah. So anyway, that's a real thing happening in Oklahoma. I, I mean, dude, I'm looking at. Shasaba's like, been doing it for years, even way before the transfer portal existed. Like, look, I'm like looking at two four seven, and between signing day, I mean, between early signing day and transfer portal, most teams are north of 35 commits, mm-hmm. almost. I mean, I think Oklahoma's at 38 or 39 commits. Just it, it's um it's crazy. I mean, that's half of your that's almost half of your scholarships are in one cycle. So it's just uh it's fascinating what has happened in college football and the way rosters have to be managed. It's uh, I'm sure at a at a Brent Venables level, there's probably a guy for Oklahoma and Texas that just does roster management. Oh, you have to. I think you have to have almost like a general manager who's who's in charge of, of managing the roster. And then I'm sure you might have a scout or somebody who's keeping an eye on the transfer portal, seeing just what's out there, who's out there. But we're not just tampering. How, how it is right one of, there's no tampering for these two schools. We're, we agree with that. No, 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 no. Yeah, that, that's other schools that do that. That's no. yeah. Oklahoma, not, Texas do not tamper. No, never. We are complying right. with every NCAA go. guideline when it comes to recruiting. There's your there's your Oklahoma and Texas football for the for the greatest rivalry in college football. That's what this podcast is dedicated to. I should have put that at the top of the podcast. If that's all you wanted to hear, you could have gone to the last minute. But you got some really good prelude, and I think it was worth it. Kevin, great show tonight. Everybody else out there, thank you for listening. Um, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Kevin, 
Have a great night. Boomer. Hook him.